0: Well, good morning, y'all. Good morning. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, uh, everybody um, is gathered together, right? Family is in, and we're having great times with family and friends and enjoying one another's company. And um, I was able to do that uh, yesterday. I was with my family for a little bit. Um, and I'd spend the night with my nephew the night before. He's in his 30s, um, married, couple kids. And uh, the next, so yesterday morning, of course, the vigil, right? The Christmas vigil. I was sitting on the couch having a cup of coffee with him, and I said, Nick, I said, dude, I said, I still haven't even put a homily together yet for Christmas, (laughs) Christmas masses. (laughs) He was like, well, what's the readings about? And I was like, well, the vigil readings were about the the genealogy of Jesus, right? Um, Those are tough ones, right? Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and on and on and on. Not an ideal reading to preach about. And he looked at me and said, Uncle Mitch, let me be honest with you people really aren't going to go to listen to your homily. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, I know, I was like, that's brutal honesty from the family, right? He was like, look, they're going to be busy. They have all kinds of things going on. They have supper to get to. They have food that they're cooking. The family's coming over, and they have children to be with. He said, look, they're going to be busy. They're going to be standing up all over the place. He said, look, just tell them, look, we all know the story. Jesus was born. He came into a manger. He saved us. And um, yeah, I'll give you a better homily next weekend. I was like, <laughs> Merry Christmas like, all right. <clears throat> some advice he gives is very good, and some of it, well, <laughs> I'm not going to take. <laughs> family, have got to love it. Um, you know, I remember uh, whenever I was in the dating world many years, years ago, um, bringing a girl home to meet the family was like a big deal I don't know if it still is today I think it is but that was a big deal right and for me like when it came close to Christmas um, if I brought a girl home for Christmas my family knew that this is a pretty serious relationship because if not I was too cheap and I would break up with them before Christmas right (laughs) yeah I was trash but um anyway I was that guy um So anyway, so meeting the family was a big deal. Why? Well, because they get to know you in a whole new way. They get to see how your family interacts, and they see, you know, your 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 parents and your your cousins and all these people. And you're like, man, that's a big deal because they come to know you in a more intimate way when they meet the family. And that's what I was drawn to with the whole genealogy. And I know we didn't read it in today's Mass, um, but I want to speak about it a little bit because I believe it's important for us to know who Jesus is. We've got to know His family. More than just His mom and dad, right? Joseph and Mary. we got to know His family tree. And that's that genealogy. And a couple of things I like about His genealogy is that Jesus didn't come from a perfect family tree. He didn't. Well, as you read through these lists of different men and women of Jesus' ancestral um, heritage, you do see a lot of virtuous people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, you see Joseph. You see Ruth, this beautiful, incredible woman of faith. You do see those virtuous people, those holy people. But you also see some haughty man. Let me tell you, you see, you see murderers, right? King David, murdered. His adulterous woman's husband. You see kids born out of wedlock. You see Solomon, who was supposed to be this great and wise king. You see him end up going astray and having like 300 and something wives. (laughs) One for each day of the week, right? It's crazy. And then he ended up building a temple not to the one true God, but he built temples to pagan gods. This was Jesus' ancestral line. It was not a line of a perfect family tree. But Jesus chooses not to tell them, look, guys, I'm going to wait till you get it right before I come down. I'm going to wait till you clean up your act and perfect yourself before I come into history. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus comes crashing in and interrupts their family tree. He crashes into human history in a powerful, powerful way and he interrupts everything. How does he do it? Well, when he becomes a little baby. That's how he does it. He becomes this little baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, and I think that's the best way he can interrupt somebody's life. Think about it. Isn't that what babies do? <laughs> they interrupt your lives, right? Everything changes when you have a baby. You don't sleep as much as you used to. You can't just get up and go like you used to. All of a sudden, you got to pack all kind of stuff. You have to learn how to change little babies, and they throw up, and you don't know what they're wanting, and they cry all the time, and you have to guess what they are need. Like, a baby interrupts everything. It changes your entire lives, doesn't it? I wouldn't know, but I'm just assuming, right? And so why do we allow the interruption? It was because was because you love him. Or her. You love the little baby. And because of love, you allow that little baby to interrupt your entire lives because of love. And everything changes at that point. And so God foresaw no more perfect way to crash into our worlds and interrupt everything to bring about our salvation than to become a little baby. Looks like a baby, but he is yet fully God. That's what he did to Joseph's world, didn't he? St. Joseph, man, I'm sure this wasn't part of his plan. Joseph as a young man, probably as a Jewish guy, had the same ideals as all the other Jewish guys. He's going to work hard in the carpenter's trade. He's going to get married. He's going to have kids. He's going to try to raise them up according to the best as he knows how. And then he's going to teach them a trade, just like all the other dads do, right? You see, that was Joseph's ideal of what his life was going to be like. But Joseph's ideal world got interrupted. This little baby that was born of his wife, Mary, crashed into his world in a whole new way and interrupted his plans. How dare him? Joseph had his plans, right? Marriage didn't look like it was going to always look like. Mary is nine months pregnant. And what do they have to do? They got to get on a donkey and go to Bethlehem, some two or three days journey away from where they lived. Nine months pregnant. This is not the way it was supposed to be. Their plan got interrupted. Women, you know more than anybody. Would you want to be on a donkey nine months pregnant? No, of course not. This was not the ideal. This was not the way Joseph planned for that ninth month of pregnancy to go. And they travel all the way to Bethlehem. And then they try to look for a place to have this little baby. There was no uh, Thibodeau Regional Hospital around. They're knocking on doors. Will you please let us in? My wife's about to have this baby. We don't have any room for you. And so he ends up going to this little cave, this barn where the animals laid and wasn't the ideal spot didn't smell too good right I do a lot of rodeo work with a bunch of cowboys I know what that smell smells like and it's not something you want to bring a newborn baby into right it's not real sanitized but that's where he had to go his plan got interrupted on how that birth was going to take place and life happened like that with Joseph right That little baby changed everything. So all of this wasn't Joseph's vision. It wasn't his idea. It it wasn't the way that he envisioned life to be, much like many of us, right? But God had a bigger plan. You see, God didn't want to be born in a little town of Nazareth. He wanted to be born in a town called Bethlehem, which means something. Now, whenever I was growing up and I ended up going to college, I ended up living in a town called Karen Crow, right? Many of you know where Karen Crow is at. It means something. The name Karen Crow means buzzard town, (laughs) right? Buzzard town. It means something. I don't know why it's so important to know buzzard town, but anyway, the name means something. Bethlehem means something too. Bethlehem means house of bread. That's what the word Bethlehem means. So Joseph takes Mary and Little baby Jesus in the womb, so he can be born into the house of bread. And he's not laid on an incubator, he, he's laid in a manger, which in French is simply that word manger. He's laid in a place where animals feed, to eat. So this newborn king is born in the house of bread and he's laid in a place to eat. Because one day this newborn king is going to say, I am the bread of life. And my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no life in you. He becomes the bread of life for us. And it all started in God's divine plan of the very place. No details are left out by God of where he would be born and where he would be laid. But this little baby didn't look like God. Right? He wasn't floating above the manger. (laughs) He wasn't sitting on a throne as the... Shepherds came in. He was lying in a manger. He looked like all the other little babies wrapped in swaddling clothes. Still looked like a baby. Smelled like a baby. But fully God. Veiled in our human flesh. And so as the shepherds came and they adored Him. Wow, in that reading that we heard today, what was it that the shepherds saw? What made them so convinced that this was the Christ? This was the God Man. Made flesh in the form of a baby. We know that they believed it because they went off and told with great joy everybody that they saw. Looked like God. Didn't look like God. Looked like a baby. Didn't smell like God. Smelled like a baby. But yet still fully God. This little baby was wrapped in a manger, and this is the story of our salvation, right? Little baby was wrapped in swallowing clothes, laid in a manger. But one day, as His life begins to unfold, that story of salvation continues, and everything that Jesus did is part of salvation. It's how He loved us to the extreme. And so one day, Jesus is going to exchange that wrapping, that clothing of the swallowing clothes with being wrapped and clothed with His own blood hanging on the cross. He's going to exchange the wood of Bethlehem for the wood of the cross, and He's going to be nailed to the cross for our salvation. This is the kind of love that Jesus comes into our world. He crashes into our world and says, I love you so much. I don't want to just be a baby, but I want to be a a human being and I want to grow and I want to become one of you and I want to die on the cross and I want to give my life for you and I'm still loving you so much that I'm not going to let death have victory over you. I'm going to allow my body to lie in the grave and because I love you so much, I'm going to rise from the grave. Because death can't hold me bound. Scripture says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, Jesus came to set us free because we were sons of Adam and Eve and slaves of sin. And we had no hope. But our hope lies in Christ, our Savior. And so this is the great celebration that we have today. We come into this world where we have Jesus who veils himself in that Holy Eucharist. Doesn't look like God, doesn't smell like God, but veiled, hidden under the appearance of bread. Right? And he knew this. He knew that we were going to need him because life goes on, as you and I know, and there's times that, that we get hungry for God's word and we get hungry for the Lord. and we, So he knows that. And so he becomes the bread of life for us to satisfy our hunger He knows that we're going to thirst for righteousness. And so he becomes the living water for us so that our thirst can be quenched. As deer that yearns for running streams, so my soul is thirsting for you, my God. He becomes the living water. He knows also that at times in our life, I know in my life anyway, I've lost my way. I went off the beaten path. And so Jesus knew that that was going to happen to us, so He became the way for us, the way for our salvation. There's times in our life where we need the truth, and we try to formulate our own truths, and we begin to listen to the voice of the father of lies, so He becomes the truth. That little baby becomes the truth. There's times in our life where we need to know what the fullness of life means. We need to feel fulfilled. We need to know what our destiny is. We need to know what our purpose is. And so Jesus becomes the life. There's times in our life where we need peace. The enemy searches out to seek and destroy us. And what Jesus says is, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. So Jesus himself becomes the Prince of Peace. There's times in our lives where we begin to walk in darkness. You and I begin to walk in darkness. So what happens is Jesus comes as the light of the world. He steps into our world of darkness and He wants to light up our path. He orders our steps. He lights up our steps in His Word. He becomes the light of the world for us. So that we can no longer be a people who walk in darkness, but we walk in the fullness of His truth and His light. He becomes our Savior because we need somebody to save us. From our sinfulness, from our own addictions, from our own fears, from our anxieties, we need a Savior. And so He actually becomes our Savior. That is how He's announced by the angels on this holy day to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day the Savior of the world. My gosh, this is what we celebrate. This is the good news that the shepherds heard. This is the good news that you and I can go and proclaim to our own families that we have a Savior. I no longer have to walk alone. I no longer have to walk in darkness. I no longer have to formulate my own truths. I no longer have to follow my own way because I have someone, the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. And He walks with me in a very personal and particular way. And He doesn't want to leave us, John's Gospel tells us. I will remain with you until the end of time, He says. How, Jesus, will you do that? Particularly right here in the Holy Eucharist, in just a few moments. Jesus Christ becomes fully God, human, Body, blood, soul, and divinity present in the Holy Eucharist. The bread of life comes down from heaven so we can receive Him. And so today, we celebrate Him. Yes, it brings about all of our families, which is what Christ does. He brings us together. Right? But I would encourage you today, we have this beautiful little chapel right there, open 24 hours, so many of you use it. And it's incredible to see this experience of of you loving the Lord and adoring Him. Go and adore Him today at some point. I know we all have lots going on today. But allow God to interrupt your day today. Allow Him to come crashing into your world and interrupt your day and your plans and go and adore Him here in the Holy Eucharist. That's what today is really all about. And if you can't get over to the chapel because you're, Away from here, we'll spend some time, some quiet, to be able to say, Lord, come into my own heart today in a new way, a special way, so I can begin to live for you like those shepherds did and encounter Him. In our Adoration Chapel, we have these empty vases up there uh, at the foot of the Blessed Sacrament. I would encourage you, take some flowers from your house. Whatever they might be, take them out some of your arrangements, go out into your yard, get some petunias or some pansies or whatever it might be, just cut them and come bring them to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. There's vases with water in them, stick them all over, right? Let that be your gift to the Lord, a simple gift. It's okay. He really doesn't care about the flower, He, he wants our heart. So come and adore Him today. Come and bring Him your heart, right? And ask Him to come into our hearts and be that Savior. Be the Prince of Peace of which we all long for. Bring unity into our hearts and to our families. So come today with joyful hearts like the shepherds. Hearts that seek Him and want to encounter Him. And let that encounter with Jesus change everything of what we do from here on. Amen. Amen.